Hello and welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host Christina. We're back to discuss a bonus movie review. I got AMC because of Black Snow and I came across a movie I've been long wanting to see because I love all things Tandaway Newton. I think she's one of the most underrated actresses out there yes she got i think it was an academy award or an oscar one or the other for her role as mave in westworld and then i feel like the show tried to take away some of that thunder particularly after her comment regarding god in my opinion allegedly but she still was the best thing about that show I mean just one of the more emotional parts about that show because everyone else was lacking but I digress so I had some time and decided to watch this movie and do a review I really, really enjoyed it. It was an outstanding performance. Very good directing. I like the way they lingered on scenes. That is not something that is to everyone's taste. I know some people would even consider that quote unquote filler, but I think building a story and getting to understand the underlying elements of the characterizations in a fashion that allows the audience to be smart enough to understand why we are having these scenes is a credit to why I think this movie was so well done. God's Country is a 2022 American thriller film co-written and directed by Julian Higgins based on the short story Winter Light by James Lee Burke. Julian Higgins also has a producer credit. His co-writer was Shay Agbana. Other producers include Miranda Bailey, Haley Bernard, and Amanda Marshall. Our cast, Tandaway Newton as Sandra, Jeremy Bob as Wolf, Joris Jarsky as Nathan, Kai Lennox as Arthur, Jefferson White as Samuel, Tanaya Betty as Gretchen, and Dan Gravage as the funeral director. Now, the film had its world premiere in the premiere section of the 38th Sunday Sundance Film Festival on January 23rd of 2022 at the Eccles Center in Park City, Utah and released theatrically September 16th of 2022. Cinematography, Andrew Wheeler, edited by Justin Laforge, or Laforge. Music by DeAndre James Allen Toole. At the box office, it grows 493,679 in the United States, 
with a runtime of 102 minutes. It doesn't state how much it was to produce the film, but that seems like a decent amount for the simplicity of the premise. We'll discuss the critical response after my review. The premise involves a police officer or former police officer in New Orleans. The events of Hurricane Katrina convinces Sandra to move with her mother to a remote encode region of Montana where she becomes a university professor. Once her mother dies, Sandra is left alone between the power dynamics of her college and the town. But it is when she confronts two hunters she catches trespassing on her property that ultimately pushes her own pain and growing anger to their limits. And I must say, it pushed me to my limits as well. Oh, Jesus, let me kill this nigga! I did read that the title role in the short story was that of a white man in his 50s and they decided to change it to a woman of color because it played a lot with more relevant ideas and I thought that was a smart choice because you have Sandra's character very isolated in a place where there is a desolate beauty and a chance of ownership within her community or making change within a community, which is her goal. It's actually what opens the movie is a quote. She's telling her students that things have to change and we must believe in that and continue to believe in that. And when people are thinking about how hard it is in this world to enforce change, just that's the place where the work begins or something to that effect. But that is seemingly her mission statement in her profession, as well as in response to the events that happened when she was a police officer, which is to inspire the youth, inspire children in public speaking, learning to speak out. I thought that was a very appropriate role to place her in to juxtapose a job where she wanted to help her community, but realized that she was in an upward battle that things haven't changed, no matter how progressive people say and pretend that they do. It begins after the death of her mother and she's dealing with a lot of grief over that matter because her 
choice to be a police officer, her choice to serve the community, her religious beliefs, and this idea, this concept that I was recently talking about in my Black Snow review is the idea of, in a lot of Black communities, that the suffering is part of God's plan somehow to one day reward these people for said suffering and therefore and for their humility in the face of that and it's something that she no longer Sandra believes in but her mother believed it to her detriment And it damaged her faith, not only in humanity, but in what she has always, um, basically her own identity, the identity that she tried to live into. She has her mother cremated and buries her ashes in the mountain, tries to move on with her life inspired her students in particular Gretchen who she has personally invested in they send off one of the deans who is retiring they have a meeting in regards to diversity inclusive diversity and while one is very vocal about how It shouldn't be about the skin color. It should be about the best candidate. It's clear with her being the only woman of color, person of color in the room, that it's her being put forth that is the criteria of which is being discussed. Like not even one person And she's not asking that they be selected. She's asking that they just be put on the candidacy list out of three people. And you have one of her coworkers speak up and say that the whole reason of learning of knowledge is that we can garner what we didn't know before by having more inclusive diversity. I have a lot of indigenous students in my classroom. Yeah, I think it was just three students to be sent to the dean, not for a dean to be chosen. I could be mistaken in that. But it sounded like per her speech here, Like, hey, I've learned something from them and they have excelled maybe by putting someone forth that can set the right tone for further growth. And while Arthur, the snake in the grass, seems very supportive of what is being said and supportive of Sandra, Honestly, he's just playing a role. 
she sees that there is a red truck parked on her property which startles her because it's not even like it's parked off in the side distance somewhere this is like entirely too close to my home and she goes out running with her dog she considers what to do and tries the polite approach hey this is my property this is private property i would prefer you not park here so she thinks that this should be enough to settle the situation but no not only did they leave a dead bird where the truck was she sees that the note was torn and balled up and discarded which is a clear indication of their response So she decides to ask Arthur about it. He says, oh, it's just hunters. They do this all the time. It's no big deal. But it's trespassing. And considering how many videos out there on YouTube of Karens and Connors that freak out at the idea of trespassing, like it's the whole reason why everyone's so gun crazy because they don't want anyone being on their property that shouldn't be. Oh, but when it's her, it's no big deal. I'm a single woman alone out in the middle of the boondocks and there are two men with rifles walking close to my property. Now we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. I have a right to be concerned. And as your neighbor, I would think that you would look out for me. And that's what she went to him as, hey, good neighbors would be like, yeah, I'm a male out here. You're a single female to make you feel secure. I'll handle that situation for you. Nope. So then she ends up confronting them. And she first speaks to Nathan, who calls her ma'am, and says that, hey, you have a good, what do they say, stopping off point or jumping off point for us to be able to go in the woods and hunt. The thing about hunting is it's such an unnecessary type of activity. And there are a lot of people that try to justify it as, oh, our ancestors did that. Yes, because that's how they fed themselves. We're not starving. There's no need to go out with guns, by the way, that our ancestors did not have to not only did we conquer these species with just bow and arrows but now that we have even a more superior weapon we want to use them as trophies 
instead of just letting nature be beautiful in its own environment, I know that there are some areas, my area included, where there is a deer population. I mean, because to be honest, deer versus car, deers are winning. So for the safety of man, yes, sure. There may be a necessary need, but is hunting the only option? I don't know. Not saying I have the answer. I'm saying I have the questions. But most people don't hunt because of altruistic reasons. They hunt because they want to feel as if they, and I'm being generalized. It's not all people. I'm sure some feel, hey, I grew up with my dad. It's how we bonded. I mean, there are other ways to bond. But that's a reason. <laughs> Not as nefarious as those that do have a desire to to make it a sport, to make it about winning and domination and superiority and having control over life and death. Side note aside. Sandra tries to point out, look, I'm a human being. It's my property. It's not okay to park your vehicle here without my permission. And as much as you're trying to stand it out like it's no big deal, it is. That's when Samuel gets out of the car and he looked like he wanted to physically assault her immediately. And Nathan was the one that held him back. Nathan is clearly doggedly a product of his environment, but certainly aware consciously of his own, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Criminality. And somewhere in there is a conscience. And he tells his friend, hey, let's go. It's no big deal. And if it were up to him, he's not the dominant in the partnership here. Are they brothers? Yeah, they did point out that they're brothers. And thus, he ends up being the protectorate, but being pulled further and further into this rivalry that unfolds because this woman of color had the audacity to think that she could tell them no. Get off my lawn. Certainly a metaphor there that there is this innate belief that I, as the white man, control and own everything around me, even if I don't actually control. I have that white privilege. 
There's also a little bit of criminality, it seems, going on between the entire family that exists in this town, which is what she finds out when she has the vehicle towed because they decide to not listen to her at all. And upon realizing that she's going to fight back, that really turns on and makes Samuel obsessive about winning in their conflict and putting her in her place. So he stares while Nathan just kind of walks to find the vehicle, almost like, well, kind of deserve that. Arthur, not Arthur, I'm sorry, Samuel turns back and stares at the house, knowing that she is watching their reaction. I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell right, <laughs> let me tell you, we don't care. I do like the way they tease the climax with the water. You didn't know what that was leading to until you saw the photo and you realize, oh, this may be what's happening around the conclusion of this tale. And it doesn't seem to be uh, conciliatory (laughs) or being handled by law enforcement. Because in retaliation, they, being Samuel, fires an arrow at her door. So she goes to Wolf, the deputy sheriff, and makes a complaint, gathers all of the evidence, which he's a little amazed how thorough she is about gathering said evidence. And while he tries to brush it aside... And try to, you know, smooth talk her. Why did you come here? Where you, uh, where did you come before? She's like, this isn't relevant to the fact that I don't feel safe in my home. And I'm reaching out to the police because I'm concerned as a citizen and as an officer, you should be concerned about my safety. That's what I pay my taxes for not just the white citizens around here that feel and you feel are doing something that's harmless. So he says he'll confront it because he knows who the two brothers are. And she says, let me get my coat. Here's another bit of classism, classism disparity. She's a successful university professor and here the antagonist works at the dollar tree (laughs) and i think samuel they were just tree cutters and he's like i'm working an honest job here and is embarrassed to be confronted by the law but instead of the people in the store being concerned about why one of their own is being confronted by the law they're shooting daggers at sandra for having the once again audacity 
to confront an issue and expect to be treated like them and have some resolution. She's once again surrounded by a sea of white faces. Uh, He is able to to speak to Nathan in a way that Nathan tries to, well, in that moment, he's like, I'll, I'll stay away from it. You know, he's not as indignant when he doesn't have his brother around. He tries to show some type of respect. But then when they go to see Samuel, they find themselves surrounded by all of his family that are angry about one of their own being shot in the back. The sheriff also, it seems in retaliation, was shot and is now somewhere in Florida avoiding coming back. So now they're without a sheriff and there's no other police officers besides Wolf, who is basically disrespected at every angle and has no authority, even though he tries to put his hand on his gun to prove that he does have balls. Sandra is able to defuse the situation, pointing out that nobody here was involved in what happened to your family member. So, hey, I understand that what happened to you was a tragedy. I understand that pain. And because she's going through her own loss, she genuinely is relating to them in a way that they understand, even if they don't uh they don't not do what they did at the end of the film. But it's a it's a moment to allow them to pass to walk away but it also reinforces once again samuel's need to bring this woman down a peg because how dare she come into into this tense situation and be the one that everyone listens to So they tried to find a way around it now that the police have been involved. Well, Wolf tells her that basically (laughs) your issue, your problem, if you thought that you was going to be safe where you are, then you're delusional. And I don't know what you expect from me. All I want you to do is send an ambulance because I'm going to bust a cap in these fools. They decide to use Arthur as a shortcut and park on his property so that they can climb his fence and go through her property. All they're doing is just making sure the truck is not there, so it's still trespassing. She calls Arthur, but Arthur is disinterested in doing anything about her feelings of being uncomfortable. Even though he says he'll say something to them, but clearly later on she sees that he welcomes their presence because he's another punk. 
in the whole line of cowards that exist here. She then decides to follow both of them to ask why they are the way they are. First, she goes to Nathan and sees him pick up his mother, take her to church. And he's startled to see her there, but she's actually, you know, humbled because the song that her mother or his mother is playing is one that her mother would play because she too was an organist. And they end up having a very honest conversation with each other due to their shared love but disconnect with their mothers as they both don't actually believe in the faith that their mothers are full of this uh this 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 anger inside of them that their lives are always rough and she tells him that her mother would always act like things were the same 25 years ago like it happened yesterday and she didn't understand why she held on to that type of theory and how that caused such unhappiness within them. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a really strong scene between the two actors. And you can see a growing respect that Nathan has for her, especially as he realizes that she has lost her mother. And she's being vulnerable with someone who has been doing nothing but antagonizing her because she's stuck in her grief. She goes home. She packs up her mother's thing. She finds a photo of her mother and her when she was a baby. She had found another photo in an album as well. And she ends up crying over her loss before going to an affair over not a fair well you know what i mean it's a party over at arthur's dressed in a lovely black uh she's like is it too much she's like no it looks great gretchen is the ta for arthur she's gonna go grade papers because wolf is over there and eyeing her as if he thinks he got a chance she decides to entertain him since he found out that she was a police officer beforehand. He asked about how it was to be a cop. They are very different. She wanted to serve her community. He just admired someone who did it. <laughs> there was no effort. There was no uh, calling nothing he just fell into it because why not and it just goes to show that all cops are not made the same and he ends up admiring her further for her love of montana like how it's a beautiful place and like it's untouched like it's not it, it doesn't have all of this history and tragedy attached to it there's a beauty there that she can find some um, some renewal and some uh, forgiveness, some healing. 
But these two assholes will not allow her to heal. Well, one asshole being led by yet another coward. She gets a knock on her door from Gretchen and finds out that Arthur wanted her to rub lotion on his shoulders. And because she said yes, because she felt like she couldn't say no, because this is a man in a position of power who has a lot of power over her decision. And I bet you if she rubbed lotion just a little bit further down, she may have been considered on a list and she tells Sandra this, but that she wants to be her TA, which she agrees to. When it's found out that they didn't consider anyone of color, she's the only opposing vote. Everyone talks about how the Dean doesn't want them to not be unanimous because that will cause a delay and she basically needs to fall in line. Arthur takes her aside and pretty much spits in her face that, Hey, you were affirmative action. So you should be a thankful for your position. I skipped the scene when she went to go see Samuel to ask why he is the way that he is and why he's doing the things that he's doing. And it's clear that it's all about dominance and violence for him. He sees her as beneath him as someone in which he wants to reign in. So she just walks away from him because she doesn't, she realizes she can't get through to him. She can't, she's not going to be able to handle this in a fashion that's not going to continue to escalate, which is exactly what it does. She tried to go to Gretchen to get her to go to the Dean, but Gretchen refuses as well to do anything with Arthur in the background. Furthermore, she, um, she sees Arthur, like I said, after they had shot a baby deer, all celebrating, giving them beers. At this point, they're just trying to rub it in her face that there's nothing she can do. She's powerless, which is the whole point. She walks onto his property and then he gonna say, this is my property. Man, shut your bitch ass up, nigga. Nobody asked you about a bitch ass thing. You better shut the fuck up before I knock your fucking head off your shoulder, old ugly ass bitch. Stupid ass bitch. Nigga, I'll kick your fucking heart out your chest, nigga. Better watch the fuck out. He is so much of a coward that that when the, the man that's also on his property just to rub it in her face tells him to shut up, he shuts up. Like She's like, I have no respect for you. I'm tired of you. But Samuel continues to want her to give him the attention he wants because she doesn't want to address him because that's where her her anger truly <laughs> wants to be unleashed the most. And she's like, oh, you think you're a big man? You killed a baby deer. Well, I'm trying to get the mother too. <sighs> and, uh, 
yeah he didn't know who he was fucking with because he's like um you can come on over anytime because you know she came to my place and she turned around and slapped the shit out of him and said you come near me you come to my property one more time i'm gonna fucking kill you i'm going to fucking kill you and you saw nathan react to that and he understood he understood that repressed rage what it means to be and grow up in and try to be someone else in a world that's not allowing you to be because the world has turned on you and that's what she expresses to to wolf when they're speaking about why she decided to quit being a cop she talks about katrina how her mother had faith in god in the system and people and she left her and went out and did her job and then she had to dig her out of the stadium and her mother was never right since then so she's been taking care of her since then because she realized that the people that she worked with didn't give a fuck about her people and here she is sacrificing it all for them and she did sacrifice it all for them and she wasn't rewarded and his response is i didn't know and she walks away my opinion in disgust pray for me often talk about this regarding black americans you know that maybe some white americans in certain circles of ignorance feel as if black people or brown people will never get dominance that then what they did to us we will then turn around and do to them which is a statement in itself to the culpability of their own actions that revenge is the only option they can consider that a black or brown person feels and yet evidence to the contrary proves that we continue to uh to control to to really not give in to our worst impulses or our our anger or the desire for violence and retaliation because there's several moments where she could just have gotten a gun and ended the whole entire fucking thing and the law would be on her side but she fought that because she tried every avenue to do this without using violence to believe that things could change and yet everything as the movie continued proved that that was a lie and despite how hard she tried in the face of the increasing violence in her direction no one was going to do anything 
to stand up for her. Even the person that had a conscience. Certainly not the police officer whose job was to protect and serve. It's why she has a disgust for the badge because what what is that badge if those morals don't mean shit? And so, yeah, that's kind of reflected in her characterization, which I really liked. And it's that effectiveness being changed from a white man in his 50s to a black woman in her 40s who's just had enough like i felt that when she says i'm tired of you i keep playing nice i keep sacrificing i love that line too she says well sometimes things can't change without a sacrifice and maybe her sacrifice will wake up this town Because there at least seem to be two people that may have, will be confronted with how things escalated to this point. One being Wolf, the deputy sheriff that's going to have to show up and arrest her ass. And then (laughs) if the other family don't try to kill her first, but shit, telling her she might, she might take him out. But then there's, and then there was at least um, Nathan that could have stopped it at any moment. Clearly being the, the more imposing threat and the one most able to stop his brother. And I'm pretty sure he was the elder. And I think that the mother was racist because he says when they were at the, he said when they were at the church, I don't know why you came here, but you need to go was right after his mother turned around and saw that his son was sitting in the same pew as a black woman. (laughs) And that look said it all. He's flirting with the devil. I thought it was a nice touch to have the lockbox where a gun was taped up to show just how much she was suppressing her need and her desire to to fuck up somebody's life uh her restraint was admirable very admirable especially when they showed up because she went to the bar well they shot her dog oh hell no watch closely You're about to experience a nigga moment. She humiliated him and made him feel fear because he knew in that moment she probably was going to fucking kill him if he ever trespassed back on her property. And so he retaliated by causing her a great amount of pain. And so she rolled up at the bar with a Glock in her pocket and had every intention seeing Arthur in there enjoying himself with the two assholes someone who pretended to be her friend she's ready to end somebody's life oh now you fucked up now you fucked up now you fucked up you have fucked up now now you fucked up now he fucked up! Now he fucked up! 
Nay fucked up. There were a few really good song choices. The one in the church that underlined a lot of what was not said. And this one where it said, this is not you. She decides to take the deer so it can be buried properly. Recalling her mother, I think, and what she stood for, what she wanted to believe in. And in retaliation, the family rolls up all of the trucks and they decide to completely violate her home, set it on fire. Arthur is appalled and starts to realize maybe things have gone just a little too far and and runs away. Then you have Nathan who understands more about who this woman was, what you just lost, memories that she can't get back. Sees the full extent of what they've done and ends up having a really strong scene where he just punches his brother and he yells at him and he wants to do more violence, but he he has to protect them it's his brother it's too late he is who he is there's no other recourse than the one he has and so uh they just watch the the place burn while she keeps herself busy burying the deer with the axe in the woods She sees the mother deer who is grateful for what she has done. And it's a great moment where you think things are going to end without, without bodies dropping. And then she showed up in the frame with a shotgun. You know the rules and so do I. Oh shit! You messing with the deer? The god deer? I'm about to fuck all you up! I think it was Nathan that was like, whoa lady, what are you doing before he got shot? Because even as they took this additional step, they didn't consider that she was actually going to follow through on her promise. And I think that the fact that she actually killed them just showed that you can only be pushed to your limits so far. You wanted me gone? Okay. Well, you're not going to enjoy that victory because you're gone permanently. And I fucking enjoyed mine when she sat down on that porch and took a sip of they beer. I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it doesn't even matter. You shouldn't have been talking shit. Absolute perfect ending because I went from tears to cheers immediately. And I really like Nathan, the characterization, because they didn't try to redeem him. 
They showed your his struggle as many people probably feel as they're a product of their upbringing of their environment and they feel stuck in a role that isn't authentically who they are, right? He could be in the trees with the rest of them, but he's trying to make a living away from and yet he can't escape it and it was to his detriment. So yeah, I thought it was a, a magnificent movie one of the best i've seen in quite a while the critical response on rotten tomatoes 88 percent of 82 critics reviews are positive with an average rating of 7.4 out of 10 oh that's low i gave it a 9.5 out of 10 the website's consensus reads quote led by an outstanding tandy way newton god's country rewards patient viewers with a slow burning but ultimately explosive story of inexorable inexorable conflict metacritic which uses the weighted average assigned the film a score of 77 out of 100 based on 15 critics indicating generally favorable reviews brian tellerico of roger ebert.com said quote it's a film that understands both form and content merging the two in a story that feels less like a piece of suspenseful entertainment and more like a warning, (laughs) end quote. I like that because that's exactly what it felt like. Uh, It kind of reminded me of the Watchmen, the, the character that wanted to be a cop who was the first, one of the first black cops that he always wanted to do the right thing. And he thought if he would just, live into this uh moralistically more forgiving hardworking place that he could make a difference he could make a change and then he finds out that unfortunately when corruption is so deep when it is uh refusing to to change at all even a little bit Uh, even the smallest ask that that eventually motherfuckers gonna start putting on uniforms and showing up to your KKK warehouses and shooting all your motherfuckers and this is kind of what happened in this movie (laughs) Dennis Harvey of Variety said quote God's Country the title of which hints in another running theme of faith and doubt is admirable for avoiding caricature within conflict and granting dramatic persona or per, as that says persona the depth to hesitate before giving in to their angriest first impulses so yeah i highly recommend if you want to send feedback about how you felt about the movie blackout to gmail.com you can leave a comment below my social medias will be there as well like share subscribe until next time peace hair grease Black or magic. <laughs> <laughs>